Hey everybody, welcome back to Small Talk Japan. On this show, we talk about all things Japan in English. My name is Mitch, and today we're here with Norm. Hi. From Tokyo Lens. Hi, that dude. That's right. Let's just jump right in. Let's just roll the intro and okay, jump right in. Let's do it. So, like, we have this intro, right? And we mm. talk over it. So, I don't even know why we have it. What's the point? We're we're just going to talk over the intro. And yeah. why is it all Tokyo? No, no, no. So it, goes, it goes Tokyo to Osaka, <laughs> okay, Osaka. and then it goes to, to Kyushu. That's what, that's what we do. It okay. goes to Alex. We introduce everybody that's, <laughs> that's usually on the show, but for okay. some reason, we don't have Josh because I'm lazy. And I haven't put him in the thing. So yet. today I'm Alex. So, no, you're not Alex. I'm you're, Mitch. You're very much Norm. Oh, okay. You're very much the very famous Tokyo Lens Mr. Norm. Fantastic. And dude, I'm, I'm actually really excited to have you in the studio. We've been trying to get you back in here. You've been living half in Tokyo, half in Kagoshima. Yep. For like how long now? Uh, going on since spring. Since, since spring. Spring, yeah. And the funny thing is, the last time I saw you. We were in Tokyo. We were. Yeah, we. I think we've met up more in Tokyo since I've moved here than we have here in Kagoshima. And uh, yeah, okay, look, you're a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. I get it. We ha we went to go do the boat thing in Tokyo, which, by the way, can we just talk about the boat thing in Tokyo? Yeah, let's talk about the boat thing in Tokyo. Okay, not only, like, okay, just uh, first, before we, I, I, there's actually something I do really want to talk about. Before mm. that, I got to interject a little image, behind the scenes image. This guy is such a Superman. He's such a crazy guy. <laughs> He, I, how many cameras did you have? Let's see, you had GoPro. I had the GoPro. Two Sonys. Yep. And then the, what's that, 360? Yeah, the Insta360, Insta X2. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had the mics going on and everything. And like, yeah. as we're boating around and having a great time, Norm is just like, Inspector Gadget, like going everywhere with his arms and everything, <laughs> just doing everything. And I'm just like watching him, just like, dude. You know, originally I was going to have you record so much for me, but when we got on the water, I became very aware that I actually wanted you to enjoy the time. <laughs> so I was like, forget it. I'll just record everything. Yeah. Like I was sitting there thinking, I was like, dude, Lord, I'm like right here. Just, just give me a camera. And you're, and you're like, it's fine. You just, you just see you. Bitch. I was like, okay, cool. And I was just like, not only was I shocked at how much you coordinated at one time, but I was also shocked when you, when I saw the video, how many great shots you got. I think we just got lucky that day. Uh, we lost a lot of footage, believe it or not. Like, you, a lot of you footage. You said that, and I don't believe you. Okay, so okay. here's the thing that we didn't... It was really bright that day, right? right you remember right. struggling to see the screens because of yes. how bright it was. And, and, and also, cooling problems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the number of times that we thought we were starting the camera, but yeah. we were actually stopping the camera. So the number of times that we were like, okay, yep, yeah, the, the shot would start with, okay, yeah, we got that. And then I would put the <laughs> camera down, and the camera would run for 15 minutes. And, okay, are you ready to shoot this next? one all right let's do it and we stopped the camera so there were so many scenes we didn't have when you're editing this because you also edit your own videos guys there's a when lot you're... of swearing because <laughs> <laughs> i also do a lot of editing for my mm. my uh for my uh studio uh company but like i don't usually do the filming that's usually mm. josh so then when there's like a frustration or something it's like it's not at myself oh i was so angry <laughs> at, at me at you at the sky <laughs> Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the one thing that we weren't angry at. How awesome is Emmy? Emmy is just the most incredible. So the first time that I met Emmy. Okay, can we tell the audience who maybe has the video? Who, context. Yeah, who is Emmy? Yeah. So Emmy is at the marina, the Kachidoki marina that I rent boats out in Tokyo. There is one of the staff there who did my one day seminar that you need to do in order to legally use the boats yeah. in Tokyo. And... Uh, their name is Emmy. And 
Emmy speaks English beautifully and knows everything about every single water. I showed up thinking full on. All right, let's get back into Japanese mode. I was like, Konnichiwa. And she's like, hi, Mitch. I was like, what? Hello. Yep. <laughs> Huge Mitch fan, by the way. Yeah. You told me, what is that? <laughs> Saw the videos. Absolutely loved it. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of you too, Emmy. So there we go. Otagai-sama. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, okay, so, so you, first, you first meet her. So she's like speaking to you in perfect English. Yep. And she's telling you everything about everywhere you're going. Like, honestly, every single canal, she knows the name of it. She knows where the construction is. She's like, there's going to be divers down there. They're working on this. They're doing that. Look at that building. That building was built to look this way from the water. And like everywhere. It's just like information overload, but it would, you know what it reminded me of? What? It reminded me of the day that I met you and we sat down for dinner and you started sharing all this stuff about Sakurajima. And here I am like a year and a half later living in Kukushima. <laughs> so. One of the things that really uh, was interesting to me is when we were boating around, something mm. that Emmy had shared with you that you shared with me, you said, you said, Mitch, look at these towers. And I said, okay. And he said, what do they look like? And I was like, I don't really. He's like, you said, look at it again, sailboat. And I looked at him and I was like, oh. He's, and then Norm was like, that's what Emmy told me. And yep. I was just like, dude, does she not? She just knows everything. Everything. Absolutely everything. Is there going to be like a sequel where you guys just like, hey, Emmy teaches us everything about to like the, all the waterways in Tokyo? I'm trying to do a sequel where we break all the rules. Okay. So there's like a set of rules that we need to follow in order to like, you know what I mean? But I want to take us just outside of those <laughs> rules. I want to take us just outside of what you would like. If you get to go to the marina, you can borrow a boat from this time and this time and go to this area. I, I want to break outside of all of that and show people stuff that they otherwise wouldn't be able to see if we weren't with Emmy. So you're not saying break any laws. You're just saying the rules of the arena yes. of under rentals. But with your when you're with the pro, it's okay. Yeah, dude, that's going to be Maybe awesome. a couple laws. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I don't know if it made it into the video, but I was I was talking to you about on the boat. You like we were, we were having some back and forth. And I was like, Norm, you're the guy that goes to the forest with a GPS on because there's bears. Yep. And I'm the guy that doesn't go to the forest because there's bears. Yep. Like I we're just different personality types. Well, you know, it's. <sighs> One of the goals for the past year, I, I think especially over the past year... Is to get away from bears? Is to get away from bears. Really? Just, Are you no, serious? No, that's not it at all. <laughs> but, okay, so you and me got our boat license together last year. Yeah. And a huge part of that was there was another project I was working on, and they were like, mm, in order to do that, you're going to need a boat license. And oh. they said it in a way that it kind of felt like they thought I wouldn't do it. Oh, it was kind of like a challenge to you. They were like, yeah, sorry, you're not going to be able to do that because you would need a Japan registered boat license. You would actually have to go out and get certified as a captain. I could see this not getting under your skin, but motivating you to oh, yeah. win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, you think I, you think I won't? And then this little light went off in my head and I was like, you know what? This could be like a totally new direction because one thing that always I feel like it's such a waste is you know I know Japan is so much more than just Tokyo Osaka Kyoto the touristy spots and yes. stuff like that yes and so many people come here and this was me for the longest time come here build a life but I saw nothing but home and office home and office uh. home and office for nearly a decade I didn't really start experiencing Japan until I started Tokyo Lens mm. and I was like you know what why not show people that you can do so much more in Japan than just go to work and home and travel around a bit? Why not show them that you can actually have a life? Mm. You can do things that normal Japanese people would do. And until you see somebody do it, you don't actually think, you know, you might not think that it's possible. So that's kind of been my goal this year is to show people, look at the stuff you can do. Look at the places you can go if you push just 1% harder. 
that's it. Like the boat license wasn't that difficult, was it? It was, it really wasn't that difficult. A little bit annoying at times, but yep. it wasn't that difficult. No. Like a lot of people, like I think that almost everybody that I know, if they just apply themselves just a little bit, they could mm-hmm. get it. And there were other non-Japanese people there when we went to take the test. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, there was a room full of them. Yep. And a lot of them, it's like, they, and, and we asked, you know, everybody kind of casually, like, you know, because we were all taking the English test, right? Yep. And so we kind of like joked around, like, everybody's Japanese level and everything. And there were a lot of people there, zero Japanese level. Yep. And they're just like taking the test and they passed. Yep. So, you know. Mind you, in all fairness, we did take the test in English for this one. Yes. But the goal is just to show people you can do more than just go to work and get on the Shinkansen, get your Ekiban and go to Kyoto. Wasn't it Emmy talking about after that video came out that a lot of people were like, I'm, you know, signing up to get boat licenses? English speakers, right? They've had a spike in registrations for the marina and for boat licensing classes. That's awesome, man. So that, it just made me so happy. Like, I, I, I don't have words. I don't have words, but the, that's the goal. The the reach of your channel is crazy. I actually, after we did the Sakurajima, mm. like I think we did some walk or something, some live stream. One of my high school friends just like hit me up on Facebook. She's like, oh my God, do you know Norm? I was like, yeah, we're <laughs> friends. We're really good friends. She's like, I've been following him for years. I love his content. It's just like, it's just out of the blue. Like you, your channel has connected with my Las Vegas high school friend. It is. The world <laughs> is so much smaller than you think. Right? Like. Especially, I think when we all have like kind of some form of similar interest, mm. right? Like I'm not that surprised about that because they're friends with you and you have Japan. a love for Japan, yeah, yeah. right? So it kind of, I feel it's like the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, but like we're only within two degrees. Yeah. So, okay. So, so you have that, that goal of like actually showing people all these things that you can do in Japan mm-hmm. if you just push a little bit. Can I ask you, does that actually feed into your shamisen lessons? Like, like you're studying shamisen? that's that one's way more personal okay yeah the the shamisen side of things is on the other side like i don't want this to sound like gatekeeping because i actually want a lot of people to try it it's right. why i work with the shamisen girls on doing their online lessons that's because right i want people to do it kiki does online lessons right yeah, yeah. but at the same time i can't recommend it why it's because of the prohibitive cost the incredible the the care that you need Uh, to take in order to do it right and then there's a huge difference between actually playing it's very traditional japanese right so it's like kendo Uh, have you ever tried kendo no i've never actually the first like lesson or two of kendo is just learning to do this strike over and over and over it is very repetitive very mundane and it must be done specifically exactly right and shamisen is very much like that uh so if you grab a shamisen because you like the sound and you just want to make some noise with it you are playing with a shamisen but you're not really like playing shamisen mm-hmm. so you got a shamisen in order to play it right it's kind of the same as like if you were to get a bokuto like the wooden sword and start playing around with your friends you're playing with a sword but you're not doing kendo yeah well right? it's the same thing with alex he does uh jigenyu and yeah. he's I've done it for like, i don't know 16 17 years and i asked him like he's six, he's 17 years into it i'm like do you think that you're like master this he's like not even close no and it's so detailed. So anyway, because of that, yeah. it really becomes a new lifestyle. It's the exact same way that most bodybuilders will be happy with what they do, but they wouldn't necessarily recommend other people. Uh, like you should take on this diet and this lifestyle and this sleep pattern and everything that I do because it's it's personal to them. Going to the gym, whatever, that's cool. Get healthy, but you don't need to be a bodybuilder. Yeah. So they might think like, you know, I hope that this inspires other people to get healthy and whatnot, but I wouldn't recommend necessarily taking it as far as I have. That's where I'm at with Shemisen. Okay. I want other people to do it in moderation. <laughs> if it makes them happy, go for it. But yeah. 
Can we talk about other things that we can talk about other things that you don't do in moderation? Okay. Uh-oh. So 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 we went from boat. Uh huh. Okay. Next step was you just came out of it. You said plane to me. I was yeah. just like, what? Yeah. Okay. And 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 before <laughs> before we got you we, before we even get to the plane license. Okay. Mm. The, the 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 pilot's license. You were telling me on the phone that you had this um. Some communication test or something like a radio test. Yeah, so it's part of the the plane license thing. So there's with getting a plane license yeah. in Japan, which I'm doing entirely in Japanese, which is crazy. I've seen his textbooks. I'm just like, uh huh. They are. <laughs> I'm like, no. Nope. There's. I'm expecting to spend about two years on this because I need to learn a lot with it. Yeah, yeah. But there's like your verbal test. There's your flying test, like your check ride. There's five other tests ranging from law and navigation to all this other stuff, and then there's one more thing that you need, which is a Japanese aeronautical radio license. That's what it was. Can you can you explain to our audience just like how ridiculous this is to get? So overseas getting an aeronautical radio license, depending on the country, is not that difficult. Some countries, it's honestly just a stamp in your flight book. In other countries, you take a bit of a test. They confirm that you're comfortable or, you know, proficient in using the radio and then you're certified. Yeah. In Japan, it is a very detailed test that like you need to know wavelengths and the formulas and calculations and the resistance. Why? They need you to understand everything about what you're doing. And there's a huge section on the law. Like half the test is the law. And if you break that law, there are consequences. So, for example, even now, like now that I have that license, I can no longer use my FPV drone because i know that some of the frequencies that are used for that are not allowed any that we ran into this problem when we bought wireless mics for our for our studio we always buy everything from the states because uh, it's just like everything all the instructions everything's in english in it but you can't do that here because no. why anything wireless yep. the bands are different yep and they will come down on hard on you they will come down very hard and that's a thousand times worse if you're actually like if you don't have the license you're in trouble if you do have the license you lose the license oh so you have more to lose so it was a i went for the the i guess the most time consuming but most likely to pass option was a three-day course and it's like morning to night every single day and then at the end of those three days you take a test based on what you learned okay Day one, day two, at the end of the day, I was able to go home and study and kind of memorize all the answers. And I was like, I got this. But day three, the test is at the end of the course. So I had to try and memorize as much as stuff as I could there in the course oh. during the day in the hopes of passing. Luckily, I passed. But Ooh. while I was there, okay. I met one of the most interesting guys. Okay. Every time you go somewhere, Norm, you're like, I met the most <laughs> interesting guy. I'm like, okay. Why do you think I live here in Kagoshima? <laughs> <laughs> so this guy had 47 licenses. Okay. So he's like, oh yeah, I've got the, the not, boat. Not in radio, right? Just No, just... no, no. He's got everything. This guy's got, I've got a truck driving license. He's like, I've got the Sea-Doo license. I've got my boat license, level two, level one. He's got a license to operate cranes. He's got like all these legal licenses. His hobby is just studying and passing national Japanese exams because that's what this radio license is. It's a national Japanese exam, and he has a collection. He carries around this wallet of all that his is licenses, full of cards and licenses and certificates. I hope he doesn't lose it. 
Like just, yeah, that would be terrible. When I went home to America, I took my, my boat license out of my wallet and left it here because I was like, I don't want to lose this. <laughs> yeah, I've, you know, I should have left stuff, but I'm carrying everything right now. Well, you know, you're actually pretty organized, so you'll be fine. I'm, I, I lose stuff sometimes. <laughs> so this guy, I mean, like, did you become friends with him? Yeah. You know, we, we talked about potentially doing a video together at some point, but the, the scope it's just so wide that it's borderline overwhelming to think of where we would even start. Could you imagine if I made a t-shirt for him, how many like stamps there would be on it? For those that, who didn't see this, okay, on the boat video that we did in Tokyo, I surprised Norm with a t-shirt. He's got, it's, he's got, can you first explain the official human okay. merch that you have? I mean, what, where did that come from? I was doing a video in Kyoto and recording a documentary of like Kyoto emptying out and in the behind the scenes vlog of it we saw this sign on a on a, like a parking lot or something and it said no entry official human only now that probably probably means authorized personnel only yeah, but it, yeah. they screwed up the english and i was like i want to be an official human <laughs> so i made some merch and i didn't tell anybody that i made any yeah. merch but i made this merch called official human and snuck it into the description box and it sold like I don't know if someone shared it somewhere or something, uh, but it became this thing, and everyone started sending me these like these like Instagram posts and tweets of them wearing official human merch, and it became this thing. You know, the one thing I really like about your channel is that, and just you as a person, is that you don't like you know they have the YouTubers that'll start off the YouTube like message or whatever, and they're like, all right, let's go to our sponsor. You know, it's just like it's just like a routine for them. Oh. Your videos are just your videos. Sometimes you have sponsored content, but your oh. videos are just your videos. You don't push merch. You don't push anything. So that's why when I when I gave you that official, I saw I made Norman an official captain T-shirt and it has a an icon of a boat and then a dotted line of an icon of a plane. Mm. So it's like waiting to fill this one in. Yep. And I gave it to you and I was just like, you can merch this if you want. I don't care. And like then when you released the video, there was no information about it whatsoever. And I was just like, I wonder if he merched this. And I clicked on the the, the Tokyo Lens store and he merched it. And that, yep. I was so happy about that. I shared the picture with everybody. I was just like, click, click, it's merch now. I was really happy about that. With that video there, I also, I felt like kind of pushing that in there. Yeah. Like this is for sale. But kind of the video itself was kind of beautiful. I liked, I liked that day. The, the purity of you, like you experiencing the Tokyo waterways for the first time. And the heat. And, I, and the yeah. heat. <laughs> and I was like, you know, we've already done like the, the Sakurako mm. thing. And that was more because we wanted the snacks than anything else. I couldn't believe that the, the chocolate hadn't completely melted by that, that point. That blew my mind. It, it was that cooler box. And we, we, it was great. And, and those boxes were really cool. You know, they're just, they, those, those kind of products, like, like that's fine for me. Like mm. if you if you want to showcase that stuff because people are interested in that yeah. stuff. Yeah, and everyone's stuck outside of Japan right now, and so that's one of the reasons why like Tokyo Treat and Sakurako. I'm like, yes, I will work with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I was in Canada and missing Japan, if I had something like that, you better bet I would have been ordering it. So if it's something that I know I would order, yes, I will share it. Dude, I have a story about this. I went home for a year and a half between being an ALT and, and starting oh. my school. And like every month, one of my friends here in, in, in Japan sent me like a box of these canned coffees that I was totally addicted to. Oh. And it's just because some things in Japan you just can't get. Yep. And so like if there's like a service that can send you that kind of stuff, that's per that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so it's in the merch store. So it's thank in you. The merch store. The, the, <laughs> the merch store. store. <laughs> wasn't even on purpose. And anyway, it, says, it just says official captain. And I thought that was yep. I thought that was cool. Anyway, I, when I when I made that and I like printed it at the the t-shirt, the local t-shirt shop, they're like, what does this mean? I'm like, don't think about it. Just don't, don't think about just, it. Don't think. Just print. It's like three layers deep. Don't worry about it. There we go.
But anyway, so now, okay, so I went to go visit you in Tokyo. Okay, yep. now you're I when I picture you, okay, I picture you two modes. You're either in Tokyo zipping through the streets, and you're what is that little skateboard called? Oh yeah, the yep yeah, yeah the little thing yeah yeah just doing your Tokyo self or hiking through the mountains, being all crazy and mm. just being you know Tokyo lens. Now that you're living in the countryside, yep, like the rural rural countryside, like how how do you feel? Like is it refreshing is it like inconvenient because like i live in the city you live this is why we haven't seen each other so much while he's mm. been living here he lives like an hour drive away from here where the airplanes are yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i would say i feel like i ha- have this borderline unfair advantage okay because i'm kind of living between the two places right yeah. i come out here i do i live in the countryside for a while do my flight training and it's not that rural like i don't know what the population of kirishima is but it's still a fair sized city there are smaller villages and towns it's out there sprawling right, right? Mm. it's sprawling but it's not a city there's not like well, it's like, not like kagoshima yeah? no. it's like a town it's a, it's a town it's a town yeah it's not quite a village it's i would a call village. it a town it's a I'll go with you with town. We'll call it a mid-sized town. There we go. (laughs) So now that we're done with the semantics, I feel like it gives me this beautiful, beautiful advantage though, because over the, okay, when I'm able to go home, it gives me this juxtaposition between overseas and Japan that helps me appreciate Japan. But I haven't really had that in a couple of years. We've been stuck here, unable to go back. And so the way that I gain appreciation of Tokyo is by leaving Tokyo. Uh, And that's why I go out into nature and stuff like that because it gives me such an appreciation. And then I go back to Tokyo and I get that impact back. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. If you're in Tokyo all the time, you lose that impact. You lose the wow factor of Tokyo. It just, it's just so crazy. It overloads your brain. Yep. Yeah, and it just all blends into the background. It does. It really yeah. does. And like, I've been in Tokyo so long now that like I can cycle through the city streets. I know everywhere, what links to everything. I'm just comfortable we're, there. We're on right? the boat. We're going through all these canals. Like, they all nondescript canals to me. And he's like, Mitch, do you know where you are? I'm like, I don't know what country I'm in. What are we talking about? <laughs> he's, he's like, we're in, I don't know, wherever the hell we were at the time. I was just like, Okay, whatever. Yep. Like that, you you know how to navigate Tokyo. I get into a train and then magically I'm somewhere else. And I get off my train and that's where I am. And it can feel like that at the beginning. And that's a magical, magical time though. That is a, <laughs> because it makes Tokyo feel huge and beautiful. And when you're in Tokyo too long, you lose that. So oh. I love coming out here because as There's soon no as trains. I get out There's here, no trains. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I'm able to go along the river and take mm. these walks and nature and bugs everywhere. And sp- and I love that mm. in a small, small way. You know, get it out in the mountains, you know, try to escape from the bears, all of that stuff. And then when I go back to Tokyo, Tokyo is fresh and beautiful once again. And I'm able to go back every couple of weeks, back and forth between the two, constantly keeping this appreciation for both. And that just feels so advantageous and keeps me in such a great mood all the time to the point where I feel like it's unfair. And Anybody who's stuck in one spot, I'm like, one up in you. If you if you are going to say that, then we got to take it one step further. You recently went to a village that's completely disconnected from all other like roadways. Mm-hmm. Isn't the only way there by hiking and by a boat or something? So there, it used to have a roadway from villages, from like other villages that were connected, but a dam was built in there. This and seems like a recurring thing in Japan, you know? Yeah, it's actually a really, really common thing, not just in Japan, but overseas as well. So the long story short is that that area was suffering from a lot of flooding. Yeah. And so to protect the larger population and, you know, for whatever purposes they need the dam for, they bought out the villages. I think there were something like eight villages. Okay. They bought out all the land, all the villages. They turned it into a dam and boom, 
there it is. Yeah. That means all the roadways and everything out to the one dam that didn't get flooded on the very edge, all the roadways, everything up to there is now done. Yeah. There's one boat managed by the dam that's used to take the last remaining resident out back and forth. And then it's still like a 30, 40 minute drive from the boat's landing spot to the village. So they've got cars and whatnot out there. Now, only he can use that boat. Yeah, this is like a big stickler in the in the video. Yep. If you guys haven't watched this video, go watch it. This is on the Tokyo Lens main channel. Yep. Uh, anyway, continue, sorry. Only he's allowed to use that boat. And so while I'm trying to figure out how to get out there and if it's even okay to get out there, the dam was like, no, we can't help you out. And then I came across one of his friends who hikes out there, a 75-year-old man who hikes out and we have to go over like two mountains in order to get there. It's about a two, two and a half hour hike. And the hike... Is this a two and a half hour hike at norm speed? Because norm speed is not normal speed. No, this is like norm recording speed. So I think that's normal people speed. speed. Okay. Now, (laughs) I would say 75% of the hike is not bad. It's kind of tough. Like for somebody who's never hiked, it might be a little daunting. Some of the edges are a little narrow. But the first hour of the hike, you are literally going up over the side of a mountain because that is the quickest way. It cuts like two hours off the hike, maybe three. And you are on the edge of the these narrow like cliffs and you could fall clear off and you're basically like almost rock climbing and he didn't really prepare me for that and so for the first hour of the hike there's so much stuff like that where you're actually climbing and you could just slip down and fall and you've got all your equipment with you as well and so the first hour (laughs) i didn't i didn't like put in the video because it was just far too dangerous to even like, and it was too dark because we started at like five or six in the morning or something, maybe seven. And so even putting a GoPro on to record that, it would have just been me facing a wall, holding onto it the whole With time. lots of noise in the video because it's dark. Yeah. Can Okay. Just, just, just so we're clear guys, this is all. So Norm can go visit this guy who's just kind of living a solitary life off in the forest oh. that got isolated from a dam. Yeah. And so I spent six months building the relationship with this guide. And then finally he was like, okay, we want to bring you out. We would like to take you out to meet the man who lives there. Right. Yeah. He's there pretty much in the summers because in the winter snow piles up to three meters Mm. and the dam is like, we're not leaving you out there. There's a helipad there for evacuation use only Ah. in case of like severe danger and whatnot. But as he's the only person there, they're like, we're not just going to leave you there in the winter. Like there's, there's no access in or out. If anything were to happen, that's it. There's no cell service. So it would be like little radio communication in order. To, yeah. Finally got out there the hike, the first hour or so was a little daunting, but the rest of it was fine. Got out there. The most lovely man leading the most interesting life. And he has so much passion for this place that he lives. And I'm so glad that I invested the six months in sending letters back and forth. I sent beer out there and our guide, (laughs) 75 years old, literally put the beer on his back and took it out to him and hiked out through the mountain and back just to deliver the beer. Well, how does, okay. So just really quick question, just for, I'm sure our audience wants to know how does he eat like he i mean he has to get supplies right yep so there's two main ways and in retrospect there's always something that you miss in a documentary that i'm like "Mm, 
I didn't even think about that. You know, it just seems so obvious to you. And the two main ways that he gets food is obviously he brings in supplies with him yeah. when he comes in the dam. Because the, uh, he can use the boat. Yep. <laughs> the dam will bring him out sometimes with like a K truck full of supplies and then drive him out to his house, load his house up with supplies, and he's good. But the other one is his friend Ebisam, who was our guide. Yeah. He, I guess our, I, the royal we, <laughs> the uh, the guide Ebisam brings out a ton of food in his backpack as well. And Ebisam goes out there at least once every two to three weeks. So he makes that, that dangerous hike every two to three weeks. Yep. And you said he's 70? And he's 75. So a lot of people were like, you're saying those, those trails aren't really there, but they look pretty well hiked. And it's because Ebisam is constantly walking oh. back and forth. And every now and then he'll bring a group of his friends or family or something like that along with him so every two weeks at least there's somebody going back and forth on those trails it's not maintained but it's still being used a little bit it's still being used by basically one specific person and his circle so you know that every now and then you'll put a a video on your channel and i'll just message you and i'll be like this is gonna do like millions (laughs) like i remember when you uploaded tiny apartment i just i just messaged you i think it was like midnight or something in japan time i was like that's gonna do over a million i was literally about to go to bed and my phone vibrates i'm like i forgot to put it on minor mode and i look at it and and you're like this video is gonna do really well (laughs) i I forgot what the last count was but it's like crazy it's like in the so many millions of views but it's a really unique and interesting find yeah, that's the thing is you got to do the research, and you do the research. You were talking to me about how that you'll just spend hours in Google Maps on the satellite and just yep. like looking for interesting things, find yep. something, and then try to like research it. Yep. I'm like, that's the dedication. All right, so look, we time here. So mm-hmm. let's talk, Norm. Let's talk about the future. Tell us some future projects that you're working on. Don't give us the whole thing because, you know, we don't want to spoil it. But tell, tell us some future things that you're working on that we might see on. Because you got the two channels. You got Tokyo mm. Lens, you got Tokyo Lens Explore. And then are you working? Are you still doing the the, the, the airplane channel? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, one of my first videos on that is hopefully going to be by the end of this year. And it's going to be my first solo flight. Oh, God. And that's, that's providing that, that there's a lot of conditions for it, but anyway. No crashing. Okay, that's the one. No that's my one rule. It's no, no crashing. Tokyo Lens Explorer is mostly live stream and long form content. Lots of stuff coming on there. But on Tokyo Lens, I just shot a video yesterday. We talked about it. Yeah. Of a very interesting gentleman who does a job that I think a lot of people aren't aware of. I mostly wasn't because I live in Tokyo. Mm-mm-mm. And he's just such a character. And we shot a little video yesterday. I'm going to try and get that one out in a couple of weeks. I think it would be a great link up with people of Kagoshima if you guys were able, because we only had like an hour together. So if there was any way for you guys to do a deeper dive, like a deep I'd love to collab like, oh, on that. That would be cool. Because I've met this guy before, just completely randomly that the same person, because yep. he's such a memorable character. Yep. Um, that I've also met him at one point. And I don't know if he remembers me, but yeah, and like the second you started describing him, I was like, and I showed you a picture. I was like, is it this guy? <laughs> like, it is this guy. And like, he was dressed exactly the same. I too. love him. He's so cool. Just spectacular. So I'm looking forward to that, pic- that, that, that video. I think if we could do that kind of collab, that would be great. Let's try to work that into the schedule. So the next one, yeah, I'm going to tell you off of Mike what it is, mm-hmm. but this one's still going to take a couple probably weeks or months to complete the edit of because it was an unbelievable amount of footage. But I found someone doing a job in Tokyo that none of us actually really thought was a real job. You're so good at this. You found the guys that go around and clear out lockers that have been that have abandoned stuff yep. inside of them. That's never something I ever thought about. Mm. I, I was like, oh, yeah, that does need to happen. Someone yep. needs to do that. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna hide my mouth on this one. Okay. But and we're gonna we're gonna need to cut this one out. But okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask you more questions off camera about that. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even realize it was a real job. You know what comes to mind as soon as I say it. Yeah. So okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Looking forward to that one. And in August, I'm hoping to start doing more kind of in-person events in Tokyo. And I'm trying to set up some stuff for that. Just did an in-person event a couple of weeks back and it went off so well that I want to make that more of a, like a regular thing yeah. and get people because we've been isolated for what, two plus years. Yeah, man. And then people come to Japan in the past six months or so. People have finally started to get into the country. And that was already a hard thing. When you first come to Japan and you know nobody, the loneliness and the struggle of being alone in Japan is already hard enough thing. this is pre-pandemic yeah. now it's even harder right yeah and so i kind of want to serve as like a catalyst even if i can you know i run an event and two people at that event end up becoming friends and are able to connect and build something you know what i mean kind of learn experience stuff together go get a boat license i don't know go get a boat license. <laughs> just casually yeah that is kind of the goal so if i can hold a couple events like that a year where people get to get together and meet like-minded people and kind of squash some of that struggle and loneliness of first coming to Japan and not knowing anybody that's kind of the goal so I'm working on something for that as well that's that's cool man Norm you're you're always full of excitement you're always doing like crazy stuff every time I see you you've got like 20 plus new stories for me <laughs> and I'm just like Jesus how do you fit all this into one life uh, anyway Norm we will have you back on the podcast in the future mm. uh, this has been a special Tokyo Lens guest appearance on the podcast uh, I think after this podcast the two of us are going to talk a little bit more about some future projects that you're working God, I think so. Okay. All right, everybody. That's been our show today. Uh, you. If you want to uh, subscribe to our Patreon, the link is below. Uh, and uh, Otherwise, leave us a comment or a question for Norm. Uh, and if Norm doesn't see the, the, the comment, I'll forward it to him and try to relay that to, you know, communicate back and forth. Anyway, thanks for everything, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Bye, guys. everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you guys so much for listening, and a special thank you to our supporters on Patreon. Jan Myler. Jen, Justin Perkins, Ellen, and Dennis P. You guys rock.